0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the All Things Strength and Wellness Podcast. I am your host as always, Robbie Burke, and we are brought to you by upmentorship.com, one of the top strength and conditioning resources available online today. This episode's guest is Dr. Perry Nicholson from Stop Chasing Pain. Perry is a chiropractic physician with a primary focus on performance enhancement, corrective exercise, and metabolic fitness nutrition. Perry graduated from the Palmer Chiropractic University in 1997 and has over 25 years of experience in the health industry. And to get Perry's full bio, you can head over to the show notes or you can also head over to Perry's website, Stop Chasing Pain, where his full bio is there for you to read and it's very extensive indeed. On this episode, Perry and I discussed many topics including Perry's background and his influences, Perry's training and rehabilitation philosophies. Perry's own health journey, amino biofrequency therapy. Perry talks about the importance of treating chronic systemic inflammation within the body first and foremost. Perry talks about the importance of the lymphatic system, the gut, emotion, and past experiences in dealing and treating with patients' pain. And Perry also discusses his assessment protocols. And for those of you in Dublin, Perry will be hosting his Primal Movement Chains seminar at the Elite Fitness and Performance Academy on the weekend of September 30th and October 1st. Guys, this was a really great episode with Dr. Perry, and I hope you really enjoyed. Okay, Dr. Perry Nicholstein, it is an absolute honor and a pleasure to finally have you come on to my podcast. You're someone who I've always had a huge amount of respect for, so it's really great to finally connect with them. Just for the listeners, Perry, who might be too familiar with who you are and your background, which... As I said, with a lot of guests who come on to the show, I'd imagine we'll probably be no one or, or very few people. But just fill us in, fill us in on your background.
1: Sure. Well, thank you very much for having me on the show. It's, it's nice to be on the other side of the microphone for a change from
0: my yeah own, yeah yeah uh,
1: podcast. Yeah. Well, for those that don't know me, my name is uh, Perry Nicholson, and I started my journey into health and fitness many years ago when I was thirteen years old and. I hated how I looked and felt about myself, and then I got into the world of bodybuilding, which pretty much saved my life from a mental and a physical standpoint. One of my earliest people that inspired me, like so many others, of course, was Arnold Schwarzenegger, and that journey brought me into uh, getting hurt, right, (laughs) which which happens a lot in fitness, and then I went to a chiropractor, and a chiropractor really helped me and then i decided actually much later on in life uh, after he picked me up many times to go down that route myself so i could help other people and then so my initial journey into health care being able to take care of other people started with chiropractic but even that led me to looking at further questions of the journey of trying to understand pain why People get hurt and why it keeps coming back, even though they do many, many different types of awesome therapies. Uh, and So I've just always been a why person, like why stuff happens to understand it. And uh, that, that brought me to forming my current company that I have now called Stop Chasing Pain, which the whole mantra for me is, yes, we treat pain from a physical and a mental standpoint, but we need to be way better than that and try to think like the brain, which is one of my favorite phrases, and to figure out what is this pain signal trying to tell you. And I think that in my opinion, at least until uh, now, which may change with new discoveries As I, I believe I found the answer. And that's from being in the trenches of health and fitness since I was Four, 13, 14, and I'm 50 years old now, so I've gotten my ass kicked pretty good and trying to figure stuff out and, on my own and learning from other people, and, but just trying to take things that I've learned from many different types of disciplines and, and make it unique and make it your own. That's one of the biggest things I tell people when I teach is that it would be a big mistake for me as a teacher to have you leave here and want to do it just like me. Because I want you to leave here and do it like you and bring your perspectives and your experiences and your questions. And when people say, hey, hey, doc, could I do this with dot, dot, dot? My answer is always the same. You can do whatever the hell you want to do and explore. And you'll probably come up with some really cool life-changing shit along the way. So that, that's kind of brought me to where I am now. And now I'm sitting here in New Jersey in my home gym on a podcast with
0: you. <laughs> Yeah, that's great stuff. So, second part now of the question. So, background is the first. I know you've had many, many mentors and many, many influences. So, I'd be really interested for you to delve into that. And uh, you know, who, who's really shaped, uh, you know, Dr. Perry to to who he is today? I know Gray's been a huge influence, but you've had many other great mentors. So, who would you say, both professionally and personally, have been the biggest influences on you? Oh wow,
1: man! How much time do you have? Right. There's always been somebody in your life that's influenced you uh, to become who you are. And here's the rub. It's not always a, a positive experience that can do it either. Right. Very, I very mean, true. It can be somebody that maybe was a negative experience for you or a toxic experience for you, which usually, in, in all honesty, is one of the biggest things that inspires change. Um, but I'd have to say for me early on, it would definitely be uh, in real life stuff. My, my father who unfortunately died when I was 12 from a brain tumor. So that, I think that's a big reason why I was feeling lost at the time and uh, had no type of father figure anymore. And that's what led me to finding Arnold Schwarzenegger and his biography. So uh, the way he overcame hardships, the way he could control his life by controlling his body and his mind. Right. And that's the first experience I got that you don't have to be a victim in life and that you can control how you look. You can control how you feel. And so he was probably the very first one and still is today. I mean, it was a big honor for me to meet him uh, several times through my journey in health and fitness and teaching and stuff at the Arnold Fitness Classic. He has in Columbus, Ohio, which is one of my favorite places to go. And uh, from there, it got me into uh, bodybuilding, of course, and I met a lot of the iconic people in the past, from Lou Ferrigno, who was a big inspiration for me, too, because of overcoming his uh, his deafness and his disability to become who he is today, and he's a really great person. Then when I got into to pain and looking at movement, uh, probably the biggest influence for me was Greg Cook, you mentioned before, the physical therapist slash redneck extraordinaire like me. Mm-hmm. Uh we we ended up uh, oddly enough uh, living uh not too far from each other because I'm originally from Virginia and I live in New Jersey now, but I moved up to New Jersey after my father passed away because my mother was remarried. And Gray actually lives in um down in Virginia and about twenty minutes from where I grew up. And I got involved with him through looking at his his books on movement and sort of big piece of the puzzle for me of why stuff happens. So that was my first journey into looking at uh, outside the side of pain of where you think it is, it ain't. And you know, I, I look at the, the universe as its own reasons for different things. And it kind of came full circle for me because um, I began talking with and met Gray probably going on like nine, ten years ago. And he invited me to go back. Uh, he invited me to go down to spend some time with him. To, to go over movement, and I was teaching him about a new therapy he was interested in called the Deep Tissue Laser Therapy, so that's how we kind of met, and uh, I hadn't been back to Virginia since I was 12, so, and it was probably now, at that time, I would be 41. Uh, I didn't go back because it was just too painful for me, but his experience of asking me to go back, uh, I think, happened at the right time. Because I went and met him, he totally changed my perspective about movement and introduced me to the SFMA at the time, the Selective Functional Movement Assessment, which was the medical side of the functional movement screen. Just looking at how somebody moves in relationship to pain, and this big secret is that you look at where they can't move well, it doesn't hurt, and if you help that, usually where they do hurt, gets better. And that wasn't even launched yet. That was just like that thing on his uh, uh, bulletin board at work where he was at Abbott University at the time. And I used that opportunity to go back home, and on that visit, I went to visit my father's grave that I hadn't been to since I was 12. So there was a closing of a chapter for me, a healing of a chapter for me, and a beginning of a brand-new journey that uh, led me to where I am now for, for looking at human movement in relationship to pain and discomfort, but also human movement and looking at how you can make yourself just feel better, right? I mean, because we're, we're all designed to move. And here's the little secret is that you can you can change how you feel when you change how you move. And if you change how you move, you change how you feel. So you don't even have to think about trying to uh, be better or think positive. You just move, and it naturally happens, especially with the work that I do down on the ground, which is uh, I'm sure we'll talk about uh, later. And then that led me into uh, – I. I to so many people that I could tell you was an uh, influence for me um, and then of course I'd have to say now at my current time uh, my, my children are a big inspiration for me because they can feed back on uh, some of the stuff that I think I got right because they, they came out to be a pretty good young men and if, if that's the uh, goal for me at the end to leave with that on my resume I'll be pretty happy <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's great stuff. That's great stuff. So, Perry, uh, a question I always like to ask the guests that come onto the show is in, in terms of like the good and the not so good within the rehabilitation profession and, you know, you also have a foot within the performance um, profession as well. What would you say are the good and then the not so good things you're kind of seeing within the whole rehabilitation re- rehabilitation sphere? and also the, the performance uh, sphere and with the not so good what sort of solutions would you offer up
1: hmm that's a good question well i'd like to preface it to say that i truly honestly believe that what people are choosing to do to help another human being or help themselves like maybe you love this type of training program right maybe you're a pilates person maybe you're a yoga person I mean, you know, everybody's always going to say mine's better than yours or that doesn't work I mean, That's just how it goes. And the same in the rehab. I I think that whatever people are choosing to do, they have their own reasons for it. I'm hoping that they do it because it helped them originally. that's usually what happens. So I think that I don't even like to use the word bad because I think it can all be good. Because everything works for somebody. That's the dirty little secret. And for anybody to say that doesn't work, well, you're just an asshole because you don't know what you're Hmm. talking about. It always works for somebody, and it's important for that one person. But here's the other caveat. One thing doesn't work for everyone, and people fall into that trap. I think like what I see in rehab is, one, um, there's, there's uh, so much vitriol and like disagreement, especially when you go on Facebook of people who are like, this doesn't work, that doesn't work, can you justify this? I hate that fucking word, justify, right? Because I don't have to justify anything except for the person that I'm working with and especially over a social media platform. But uh, I think in 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 my heart of hearts, I believe that people are doing stuff for a good reason to help other people. That being said, you also have to be uh, competent enough in yourself to realize when it's beyond the scope of you to be able to help somebody, and then maybe refer out to another person who do some, does something different than you, whether you understand it or not. Or not. Um, so I think that the quote-unquote bad part that I see is that we become very closed-minded and focused on what we do, and we are too easy to discount something, especially in a world where you can't quote-unquote prove it. I mean, whatever the fuck that means. Uh, so I'm, I'm, uh, research, to me, is an important thing that you should be doing to try to help ourselves get further and where we think we are. But here's a dirty little secret. Your body is laughing at you because we don't know shit about what its capabilities are. If anything, we funnel it into what's not possible with the body, which is what I think is frightening. And that if if you can't prove something on a piece of white paper, that it's not possible for the human body to do it, which is absolutely ridiculous. And this goes to show how big the ego is of uh, mankind in relationship to how small they are in the universe uh, of, of possibilities and if people can just open up their mind to try many things and new things whether they understand it or not and I tell people sometimes honestly I got no fucking idea why it worked and I really don't care um, why it worked I just know that it did for this particular person and if it didn't well then I learned something right and I can try something different I can try something new but with healthcare and fitness I think we try to pigeonhole people into systems and programs and try to fit them into a box. There's no diet that works for every single person. Just because paleo worked for you, it doesn't mean it's going to work for the other guy because the other guy's got a different physiology, he's got a different history, he's got a different genetics, he's got a different environment that he's, that he's grown up with. And it's the same thing with a training program. Just because I did great with a bodybuilding program of three sets of eight, doesn't mean that that's what you should do. Because you're, you've are got different physiology, you've got different the way you think, what you can do and can't do based on the physiology you were born with, and then what your end goal is, right? And it's the same thing in relationship to rehab programs. You're like, oh, well, uh, you got low back pain, right? Well, then we can put you on a McKenzie protocol, which is a very successful protocol. But I got news for you. It doesn't work for everybody. And if I... If I do a McKinsey protocol on you and I don't notice a significant change or improvement that sticks, that's the key that it sticks, because most stuff can make it feel good temporarily. But what the hell good is that? I mean, you got to look long-term. And my favorite phrase now is if it ain't sticking, you ain't thinking, because the body's trying to tell you, you didn't quite get it there, Sparky. you got you got to change it up. So then you've got to say, well, that is a program for McKinsey that can help some people. But doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna help my guy. Maybe I gotta put this guy into a completely different position. Maybe I gotta put him into a more flexion based pattern as opposed to an extension based pattern. And people will say, You can't do that because the biomechanics are blah 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 horse shit, which means nothing in relationship to the human body, because biomechanics changes when you put somebody in a different environment, which means I could take I could have you take your shoes off and walk around with no shoes on grass. The biomechanics of how your spine reacts to that sensory input will be completely different uh, if I have you take your shoes off and go over there and walk on the sand that moves beneath your feet. The mechanics of what your body has to do completely changes based on the sensory input that you have in the environment that you're in. So that brings me back to my point that research is great, but it doesn't mean shit in the real world, because as soon as you step out the safety box of your double-blind control study, your body does whatever the fuck it wants to do, and it doesn't care whether you understand or not, or whether it makes sense to you, it just does its thing, keeps going along its merry way. So I usually tell people, don't think like a research study, don't think like a professor, don't think like a book, think like your brain. And here's the beautiful part about that, because everybody's brain is different. You're gonna think differently than patient B. And if it feels good to you, then do it. If it doesn't feel good to you, then don't do it. Rehab is that simple. Does
0: that make sense? Yeah, that's some uh, that's some really good stuff there, you know, and you, you kinda of brought up the point there of like you said like you mentioned the McKenzie protocol. It brought that sort of quote into my head that, you know, uh, don't treat the symptom, treat the person. You know, you could have two individuals who are presenting with you know similar symptoms and pain, but the mechanisms could be two completely different mechanisms that are driving that issue. So, yeah,
1: well, that's because we treat pain, you know, and yeah. what the hell is pain anyway? Yeah. When you look at pain, pain is a subjective scale anyway, mm. which means I got a guy who could be in excruciating pain, and I can't find anything on a quote unquote MRI or x ray, or uh, I'm like, I don't understand why your back is hurting, brother, I don't see anything, right? And then I got another person that is, uh, they got a back that's so messed up. They got three hernias, they got arthritis, they got a hip that doesn't move. And then I'm like, you don't have any pain? They go, no, nothing hurts me at all. And that's because it's a subjective scale. So pain is one thing. My favorite definition of pain is this. Pain is a request for change. Pain is a request for change. Who is requesting it? Well, your body is requesting it, right? Your your brain and your nervous system, the thing you live with 24-7, is requesting you to change something, and that's where the self-responsibility comes into play, It's because pain is not the first thing to hit you. Pain is the last thing to hit you, unless it's traumatic. If you fall off the stairs, well, then you're going to get hurt, but if you are walking down the stairs, and then all of a sudden you hit the bottom step, and then you're knee has pain well that's been building up for a long period of time that didn't just happen so what pain is telling you is hey perry i need you to change first of all the shit that you're doing or not doing which is your lifestyle i need you to change the environment that you're in mentally and physically how do you think about yourself i mean if you hate yourself and you hate your life i got news for you you're gonna get pain in your body that's the emotional connection to pain 101 that's dr john sarno's work s-a-r-n-o who worked with howard Stern a lot about how his back pain was coming from his mind and how he thought and a lot of people that time felt that was batshit crazy now they're seeing. well i mean pain is in the brain right if you think you feel better you feel better if you think you feel worse you feel worse so you can manifest the uh, uh, lifestyle for you and habits that you do. And that's what movement is. Movement is a habit. So you have to, if you can change how you move, then you can change your habit. And if you change how you move and you change your habit, then you can change your pain. Then you can change your life. Because in my opinion, is not requesting you, okay, I want you to try uh, prednisone as opposed to uh, Vicodin. Uh, change what you're taking. Right? That's only one piece of the puzzle to help you start to mitigate pain and suffering that you're in in the moment. But that's where you have to then get your body to move uh, and, and try to hopefully get to a point where you don't need to have all those things, not to mention how to kick the ever-living shit out of your organs. And you just get in this vicious, vicious cycle. So in the in the world of medicine, if you come on in and you got back pain, I'm going to give you one guess of where everybody looks for the cause. What do you think? The back, the back, right? Yeah, the back. The back. Well, I mean, that makes logical sense, right? But the body doesn't do logical shit. It just does what it wants to. So they look at the back, and then they treat the back, and then all of a sudden, it maybe may feel better, or it doesn't feel better, but it keeps coming back. And then, what's the reason why the episode and frequency of back pain is going up in the world today, as opposed to going down? We got more research. We got more drugs. We got more "quote unquote" like. We have all these different things, and people are getting worse with back pain. So obviously, we're going at it the wrong way. We just sit back and think, well, we just got to do more research. I'm like, well, I ain't got to fix shit. I got news for you. It's really simple with back pain. Move more of yourself more often, and then you're going to help yourself. And here's the key. It ain't about moving the back. It's usually what happens is the back hurts because you've been moving the back too much because you can't move somewhere else well enough. It has to interconnect with the rest of you. That's a classic thing that we know in rehab of, well, if you don't move in your ankle, well, you're going to pay the price somewhere higher up. If you can't move in your wrist, you're going to pay a price somewhere lower down. So you have to interconnect the whole body together. And that's why I like to do ground-based body weight movements because it's physiologically impossible for you not to move every single part of your body when you're moving on the ground or you have to get up from the ground to standing You can sit your ass in a gym piece of equipment and do a lat pull-down, and you're not moving shit below the waist. And you're just doing this isolated body movements. Or you're doing isolated back exercises, which to me are awful because it's not taking into consideration the rest of your body. I have people that have so much back pain they can't move that all I have them do is this. You just do a lot of different movement in your arms and your legs or your neck. So you move the shit out of everything else that doesn't hurt you. And then when you can do that, that neurologically and, and fascially connect the tissue of the body feeds back into the lower back. So the lower back innately begins to feel better because you're getting a lot of neurosensory input and movement in the rest of the body. So when people say, I can't do movement because my back hurts, I'm like, yes, you can. You can do a ton of movement when your back hurts. You just got to make sure when you do the movements, particularly on the ground, that your back doesn't hurt when you do it. It has to not hurt when you move. Mm-hmm. And that's a very, very key thing about my rehabilitation that we'll probably talk later that, you know, it pain's on board when you're trying to establish a brand new movement pattern or fix one, mm-hmm. you won't learn it. Because pain shuts down the learning process. You go into fight or flight safety mode. And you'll do the movement because somebody's telling you to do it. Or they say no pain, no gain. And they say you got to go through pain in your back in order for you to get get better. I completely disagree with that. Because when you understand the brain and you understand physiology, you understand that the brain is designed to move away from pain, move away from threat, and do whatever it has to do to get you away from the threat. And here's the thing. Threat is subjective. My threat's not the same as your threat. Right? So uh, when you do that, you'll accomplish the movement, but nothing will stick. Mm-hmm. It won't stick. You may temporarily get better and say, oh, my back feels great, thanks, but I, I guess what's coming back in a quick fashion and a hurry in a little while, your back pain again. I mean, I've had three disc herniations in my lower back over the course of my life, really severe and significant ones where I've got some permanent atrophy in one of my right leg because of nerve damage that we've done. It just ain't coming back. But, um, and I've had, I've got arthritis on my lower back of somebody, I'm 50, of probably somebody who's 75. And I don't have any disc space left. Right? But I don't have any pain whatsoever because a lot of the, most of the stuff that I do right now is the stuff that I've discovered over the years. Uh, moving more of yourself more often, but doing it in different environments, different sensory inputs. And the best place you can do that and the easiest place you can do that, you don't need any equipment. Just go back down to the ground and use your body on the ground. Because every single cell in your body, every single cell in your body was designed to get you up off of the floor into an upright position, bipedal position, to get into human gait. That's exactly what they're designed for. And then the thing is, we forget that shit. Once we're up on two feet, we never go back down to the ground again unless we fall. And then that's when you get hurt. And you see from statistics that when elderly people fall, they die really, really fast, especially if they get a fracture somewhere, right? Your chances of dying from a diagnosis of cancer as opposed to a fall with a fracture of an elderly person, statistically, you're going to die faster with the fracture and the fall than you did from cancer. That's pretty amazing, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I've, 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 uh, I've often heard of those statistics that when an elderly person falls, that it's not too long after that they, uh, they actually die, and because they, they're so dis, they're so disabled by the fall that they, you know, they lose basic will to live because they can't get out, they can't socialize, then they can't get any exercise they either, or so. It's a, there's a phys, there's a physiological, well, mechanism, and a psychological think about mechanism. it,
1: right? Think about how, I mean, we like to think that the body is such a powerhouse and it's resilient. Hmm. It's really not. I mean. Think about what happens to most people when they fall.
0: I mean, it really ain't
1: falling that far. I thought like you could fall out of a tree. I mean, when you go down and you fall, first of all, I'm gonna ask why the hell did you fall in the first place. Probably because your proprioception and your coordination sucks. But you know, if you are say i um, say you're six foot tall and then you go down, uh, something's gonna hurt you. Something's gonna break. Something's gonna tear. So the the more that you can get comfortable going from a standing position down to the ground again, the more resilient and comfortable your nervous system will be when it has to go there. That's why I love like martial arts a lot. I do a lot of tumbling type of workouts. Tumbling and rolling are fundamental movement patterns that the human body should be able to do because we did that stuff or we used to do that stuff when we were kids. Now they don't even let you do that because little Johnny might get hurt in school or on the playground, so we can't have him move. Uh, And then kids are playing stuff with their fingers. They don't even know how to coordinate their body to do a roll. I studied Aikido for many years, and it's all about rolling, right, and judo and how how you learn to fall. I got news for you. If you go and you do a pattern like that over and over and over and over and over again, when you get into a situation where you don't expect it and you do fall, you're going to react to it a certain way. you react. Your uh, reactivity and your variability of movement prepares you to get ready for that. So that's one of the reasons why my my most fundamental, quote-unquote, corrective exercise, I hate that word anyway because the word itself implies that something is not right, um, is I have you go from a standing position down to the ground and back up again many, many different ways every single day. You want to talk about making a difference in how you feel and how you move and how you look, I guarantee you, if you start that practice every single day, you will notice a difference quick, fast, and in a hurry. I would rather have you do that than get you onto the ground and try to tilt your pelvis backwards and lock in your abs, and I'm going to try to get you to breathe and do all this isolated shit that as soon as you stand up, you'll lose right away anyway. Because it's just too much neural input as soon as you stand up. Everything has to work together to get you up off of the floor. So, what I'm looking for is movements that feed back, but also feed forward into really, really high paying dividends in the long run for you. And that's moving everything together, hence, more of yourself more often. Does that make
0: sense? Absolutely. So let's sort of a a question I want to put forward to you is give us a sort of timeline also of your career. So you went to chiropractic school and I suppose what I'm asking here is that like so like how did your sort of thought process evolve over your time since you went through school and like you know what were kind of like your big aha moments and I'm sure like anything everything kind of builds on the next thing so. You know, when you left school, you probably thought you knew every you probably thought you knew everything, and then like you were you know you, you did this one course, and you're like oh like I can see where this fits in, and then you did this other course, and you know you're you're so well studied in, in many different areas, and uh, and yet you also appreciate that principles will always be the main driver. You're, you're not just a methods guy, um. So yeah. just just kind of give us give us sort of that that sort of timeline, and I suppose maybe if you want to preface that also with like maybe currently like if I was to put the question to you, like, what is your rehabilitation philosophy or your big rocks or your principles? And then maybe tell us like how that the principles you, you have currently how they evolved since your your time of getting into this profession?
1: Well, holy hell, that's a that's a pretty good question. Uh let me I'll try to answer all those as best I can. Yeah, you know, I can tell you my experience of just turning fifty years old, I mean the, most of my stuff
0: has just come from getting my ass kicked and Comes with age, right? Did did, I mean, did you did you go back to the chiropractic at, a, at an older age, Perry? Yeah,
1: I did. Well, I mean, what I consider old now is not, but you know, I I got I was uh, going to school actually originally to being a, a lawyer,
0: believe yeah. it or
1: not. Yeah. And uh, I definitely knew I didn't want to go down that career path. And then I left school because I just wanted to kind of find myself a little bit. And then I'm like, well, you know, I like to cook. I think I'm going to be a chef. So then I went into chef school for a little while, and then I realized, well, I hate this shit, too, because it's never like what you think it's going to be. And I got out and just worked in corporate America for a while. And I got into chiropractic in my late uh, 20s after getting hurt. And then uh, I was going to be getting married, and I'm like, well, you know, I don't want to be working in corporate America the rest of my life. Let me just go back to school. And... Uh, It seemed like a great thing to do. My chiropractor said, yeah, there's no reason why you can't do it. He was very empowering. But even in chiropractic school, honestly, I didn't like that either. Uh, The reason being is because I kind of always knew somewhere in my gut that I was kind of destined to try to get deeper into stuff. Uh, I just didn't know uh, or have the courage to do it at the time. And uh, I was kind of self-sabotaging myself in a way. And I got one of the best pieces of advice I ever got from a doctor who said, you got what it takes to to go really far if you just get out of your own way. And I tell that to people all the time. And <clears throat> stop overthinking so much and just go with your gut, go with your heart. And then once I got out practice, uh, I was just kind of chasing the pain as well, right? I mean, doing great stuff with chiropractic. Cause it works. It helps a lot of people, right? But I'm like, why do I have to treat you so often? Why does the human body that's so resilient do I have to see you three times a week, four weeks and Hope something sticks. I mean, if you give the body what it likes, it'll tell you quick, fast, and a hurry. If you don't give it what it likes, it'll tell you quick, fast, and a hurry, too. You got it wrong. But I fell into a trap in my journey where I just I start learning anything and everything, right? And that's what happens now is people drink the Kool-Aid, and they go to a workshop, and then all of a sudden they come back. They forget everything else they once were doing, and then now everybody's got this thing, and I'm going to do this technique with you. And so – and the next thing you know, you're I'm going to go to a different workshop. And it's almost like you got so much uh, knowledge, you got so much input, people get more confused. It's like they don't even know which way to go. It's like a closet that you open up. There's so much shit in there that when you open it up, it dumps out on you, you don't know what's happening. So you need to go to things, you need to organize stuff, but you need to have a system for you, a paradigm that you go by. But don't be afraid to blow that system up, like what I call go down the crazy shit path and, and realize that what I know right now might completely change as I, uh, as I go along. Um, so, you know, my journey began by learning a lot of different things from many, many different people, but trying to take bits and pieces and here and there, and then tweaking it a little bit, changing it a little bit, and then, of course, giving them uh, respect and mentioning where I got something from and say, I got this original thought process from here, but I just got home and I played around a little bit, wanted to explore and see what would happen if I did this or if I did that. So that's kind of my my journey into where I am now to do whatever it takes to get somebody well, but it's got to be based on the individual that I'm working with at the moment who's um, right in front of me, if that makes sense. Um, but what was the other part of the question? I'm trying to, to remember if I, if I missed a part.
0: So um, just just kind of all to the, the timeline, I suppose, of your career. So you, you brought us you, – you did uh, you, um – You. You oh, you right. you you okay. law law. Then you did some cooking. Then you we got to corporate America, and then you kind of went to chiropractic. And so from from chiropractic school, like uh, when yeah. you got out of there, then like what what was your next kind of big aha moment? And maybe to like give us the timeline of like what age around roughly in your career were you here. And just before you go on there with regards to corporate America, what what sort of what were you doing there? Was it wealth management or like was it like stocks and bonds or.
1: Uh, corporate America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know what? I was just kind of dipping in and out of. I didn't get in like stock, stocks and bonds. I was kind of dipping into like law a little bit again. You know, um, working with somebody is kind of slash, you know, legal assistant type stuff. And then I I, I quickly realized that uh, no nah, I was getting more outside pressure to do that than from myself. I just didn't have the guts at the time to embrace my. My path, my authentic path and you know being younger when I was overweight and didn't like myself, I moved a lot, I got picked on, I got bullied and you, you want to fit in with people so it's hard for you to um, kind of embrace who you are and be unapologetic for who you are so you fall into the conformity path and just want to fit in and for people to like you and it's a hard journey over the course of your life. To get to the point where I am now, which is uh, I consider myself kind of a, a non conformist. If you tell me to go left, I'm going to go right on purpose just because you told me to go left. And I've always had the entrepreneur spirit like, spirit. like, I don't like anybody telling me what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and it has to be this way. Because I'm like, fuck you, it has to be that way. It can be any way I want to make it. And it's the same thing I did with my journey and rehabilitation of looking at different things. So, I I got into movement uh, with gray because I wanted to try to get why things were not sticking. And that brought me into looking at the world of why the body can't heal itself. So I got into using uh, newer technology at the time, which is a little bit more prevalent now, which is a laser light therapy to heal damaged tissue in the body. But it, it, along that journey, I got cancer myself um, probably about – 15 years ago, I got thyroid cancer, and I had to take my thyroid gland out and majority of lymph nodes in my neck, and, you know, I went through chemo and everything, and luckily everything was okay because, you know, my history of my father passed away, and I was also, at that point, I got through it, blah, 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 but then I got sick again a few years later, like, this was probably about five years ago, I got sick again. It wasn't cancer, but I started to have my body turn on itself. Kind of like an, like an auto immune disorder. Like, okay, well, why the hell did my body just decide to start attacking itself? I got really sick. I had to leave practice for six months. Actually, a little bit more. I had to stop teaching because I just had no energy. My brain couldn't function. I had the brain fog. And I was in a really bad spot. brother. Not many people know this, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> I was not getting I had to go through some multiple surgeries uh, according to western medicine which ended up fucking me up even more. And then I got out and I'm like this is crazy nobody can find anything and that led me to to my journey of really trying to understand the body. And I look back on it now as I tried to ask myself why did why did I get this sick? What was the purpose? What's what what am I supposed to be taking from this? And for me, it ended up being, one, helping me on my journey to begin to look at the body from even a more holistic section. Because I was always doing the stop chasing pain where you think it is it ain't. But I was always relating it to a musculoskeletal thing, right? Like if your knee hurts, check your hip or your ankle. But I was never looking at deeper into the body at other stuff, like how the brain functions and then uh, organs of your body. So that led me to my discovery of looking at the gut because I realized that I destroyed my gut system through all the antibiotics and anesthetics that they put me under, so my immune system tanked and turned on itself. So Western medicine didn't find that with all their wonderful research, because according to all the tests, nothing was wrong. But I started to rebuild up my gut, then looking at the importance of the gut in relationship to pain, relationship to depression, because I suffered from depression most of my life with on Zoloft which not many people know either, <coughs> but I'm no longer on it, I was able to wean off. And then uh, I started to get myself back to a point where I thought I was good, but I realized that I wasn't yet until I my journey kept looking more into inflammation in the body, and that led me to my current mentor and teacher. His name is Mikel Hoff, and he's from Sweden. He's the one who uh, does the amino neurofrequency disc that I talk about and people see me post about and I jumped on a Skype call with him being introduced to him about seven months ago and I just knew that this guy had some answers. I like the way he thinks and he's probably the most brilliant uh, diagnostician I've ever met and I went over and he (laughs) took the course over there which I'm now an instructor for and I sat down with him and he told me in little 10 seconds, he said, I know exactly what's wrong with And I'm like, really? You want to share that with me? And uh, he reached over and he put two fingers behind uh, my jaw on one side and pressed uh, lightly, but it felt at the time like he was driving a railroad spike through my body to uh, a lymph node, a cervical lymph node in my neck that was swollen and inflamed. He's like, you've got full body systemic inflammation and you can't heal and everything in your body is turning on itself. And I was like, holy S like never even thought about looking at that part of the body. And through the research that I've learned from him and continuing to learn, that's when I began to investigate not just inflammation around a body part that hurts. Like if my back hurts, we look for inflammation there. Okay. But my discovery over the years is that non-traumatic pain, I said before, pain is not the first thing that hits you. It's the last thing that hits you. So people think you've got inflammation because you got pain. And it's actually the other way around. You have pain because you have inflammation or you have had inflammation for many, many years. Ten years or more that you didn't even know was there because it just didn't register for you that it had pain because your body has one job and that's to compensate and adapt so you don't feel small shit like that then it builds up over time, and then when it can't adapt anymore, then it sends you the signal, I need you to change something. And for me, that discovery of uh, systemic invisible inflammation, right? I mean, that's something that now is starting to make its way out a little bit more, especially because of my mission to do it, that um, it, you don't, quote-unquote, see it or feel it unless you've gotten to a point where you get sick, Or you go to somebody who knows how to look for it, how the body gives you the signs, it gives you the signals, it's subtle things that it's showing you over the years that you just got to stop and you got to look and you got to listen. So I know for me that if you have an autoimmune disease, you got systemic inflammation, period. That because you can't get an autoimmune disease without it. Then if you have a pain in your body, for instance, that in your back, And you've been trying to help your back and your back not getting any better well i would have normally gone to your hip or your shoulder or your ankle to help those move better and maybe you would have gotten better but sometimes even that doesn't get better so then i had to look at the whole body even more of systemic inflammation and then where i found it for me is through the lymphatic system of your body which is the sewage system of your body and i've made a video about it as well on uh, this available for sale on the lymphatic system because nobody fucking talks about it. Nobody has any idea about it. And even I did with all the stuff that I do because Western medicine doesn't pay attention to it at all unless you've got cancer. Otherwise, they say, there's nothing wrong with that. Right? So I made a video on that so people can learn about it and then tying that uh, certain type of movements into helping you with your inflammation and your lymphatic system. And then look at inflammation in tissues besides muscles and bones and joints. And that's looking at your inflammation around your brain. And that's what brain fog is, right? And then inflammation around the organs of your body. So they become inflamed, but not necessarily painful. You'll know it if I stick my fingers in there and I assess and palpate your organs. So say your back hurts, somebody's going to go in there, they're going to push into your glutes, they're going to push into your erector spinae, they'll check around in there, and then maybe if they're halfway enlightened, they'll turn you over and check your obliques and your abdominals. So for me, what I'm going to do now is, I do all that, but I'm going to go in and check your organs as well. I'm going to press and assess your uh, large intestine, your small intestine, your liver, your spleen, your stomach, down and around near your pancreas. I'm going to check where your kidneys are. I'm going to look at all those things and see if they're tender to the touch. If they're tender to the touch, you're in trouble. That means that you've got inflammation around an organ, and then that, that will shut your muscles off from working efficiently. And the body has a priority system of what it protects first. It protects muscles and joints last. really doesn't give a shit. About your muscles and your joints. That's the lowest on the total. It cares first about its brain, because without that, you're dead. Then it pays second attention to your organs, because without some of those, you'll be dead. Right? You'll live a little bit longer if they're deteriorating faster than your brain. But then your muscle and your joints come last. So what we do is we attack the muscles and the joints. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's smart. But what about the other stuff? And then that's where you can begin to put all those different puzzle pieces together. And then I've got a system where I look at how you move. Uh, and I see your movement pattern. I sit and I talk to you. I look at everything in relationship to what your whole body is trying to tell me. I'm not looking at anything, but the person in front of me trying to say, what is your body trying to tell me? And then when you look at it that way, you can you can come and you can find it. And then... I've got a series of about 25 places that I assess on everyone. no matter what your problem is. If you come in with back pain, I'm going to assess here. If you come on in here and you say, I got a problem with my left pinky toe and I got a hangnail, nobody can figure that shit out. I'm checking these 25 points on you all the time. The more these points are tender, the more these points are irritated or swollen, then that tells me you have an advanced level of Systemic or full body inflammation and here's my point If you don't get rid of that underlying systemic inflammation It will be impossible. You will not I'll repeat that you will not get rid of your musculoskeletal pain in the long run Because your body just can't physiologically let you do it because it's got a crutch It's got something that's stopping it from getting there and that, to me, through my work, is not your nervous system. The nervous system is not the ruler of the road. That sits far down. That's like number four, right? So what is going to rule the road is going to be your lymphatic system, your detox system of your body. Then it's your gut system of your body because they work interconnected together, right? And then sitting above those two, is the big part that I used to actually negate most of my life, but makes sense, uh, especially when I look at the world today, is the emotional component of pain. Because more people are in pain today than ever before, but look at the world that we live in, right? We're more detached from each other than ever before. We don't communicate with each other. We don't talk to each other. We're not nice to each other. Just go on social media and you'll see it, right? I mean, we're, we're a species that is designed to be tribal. We hang out in packs. We need to communicate with each other. We need to talk to each other. We need to touch each other. We don't even do that anymore because touch me and I'll fucking sue you, right? Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. So everybody is on edge. Everybody is stressed. That stress from distress in the world, the stress of how you think about yourself because now you're worried about being judged with kids today. What you post, how you post, how you look, how many likes do I have? Did anybody defriend me sort of stuff? So your whole value system is based on this uh, virtual world. And we don't, I I travel all the time and I watch and I observe. That's how I learn. And I stand next to people and around people in an airport. People physiologically cannot stop and talk to each other. They have to look down at their phone. They can't not do it. It's like, I don't even want to talk to another human being right next to them. They're, communicating with someone, if they're lucky, somewhere else. But usually they're just looking at somebody else's life, and then they're judging their value based on the superficial fake shit that somebody's putting on Facebook anyway, because nobody puts the bad shit on Facebook. It's all my life is unicorns and rainbows, right? So then you think you're the one that's got the problem. So what trumps everything is the emotional part for me. And then I can tell whether you've got a problem with an emotional part because there's a very specific part of your body that's down in your abdominal region that if if I touch there and you scream, that means this is an emotional issue that you've got. And it can be goddamn excruciating when I work it, but it can make a huge difference on releasing pain and discomfort and stress and all that stuff over the course of your whole life when you go it. So one of the biggest takeaways for me over my journey is is that I look for stuff that's happened to you over the last 10 to 20 years as the ultimate cause of what your problem is now, right? So I go way back. I go deep back. I go retro, like 80s back, (laughs) to see what's going on with your body. And since I've done that, um, it's made my life completely different of how I feel, uh, also how I work with people. And I think part of my reason for having to get sick, honestly, is I needed to get to a point where I could understand the mindset of somebody who's been to that level where they've had that much pain and they've actually lost hope or they've been told by traditional medicine that, you know, we, we can't find an answer or we don't understand, or you're going to have to live with it, or here's my favorite, you know, it's all in your head, or actually my top favorite is, you're just getting older. What kind of fucking horseshit is that, right? Like, just because I'm 55, 60 doesn't mean I'm destined to get that. You're not supposed to get to that point. So that's when you have to look more and empower yourself uh, on your own. And then you can realize that some of these changes that you look back on and do uh, mindset-wise makes a big big difference so you know i know i can keep on rambling because you know that you can obviously tell it's uh it's important to me but i i think my journey had to lead me to that point to experience what it's like and then also in all honesty uh be able to uh, be strong enough to withstand the ridicule because i i knew when i started to come out with some different things and i look even more outside the box and People see, you know, I've had these discs on me and I'm talking about this. They're like, okay, Perry's officially batshit nuts. He's lost his mind. Um, I knew that would happen because anytime you want to try and bring something out that's new or different, that's going to happen. But being sick like that and then finding an answer that worked for me and then working with other people who are the same way, uh, it doesn't matter how hard somebody comes at me. It doesn't matter how hard they try to um, uh, degrade or take down what I'm doing because I know the difference. And I've been there. So if if I'm walking my crazy shit path that I say, nothing's going to take me off because I've been on the same old shit path for many, many, many years. And I was getting the same old shit kind of results. So for me, I am now an official... Crazy new shit, Pat Walker, and I'm trying to get a lot more people to walk over there with me. Rant done. That's it.
0: That was a great line there, crazy shit, Pat Walker. That's definitely a a Twitter tweet right there. Perry, listen, that 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 answer. I just want to say, first off, I I so appreciate your open, your your honesty and being so open. You know, you know, saying that you've been in dark places and you've had depression. Listen, I'll be just as honest with you. Right now, currently in my life, I'm probably in a fairly. It's been a tough last few uh, months for me. I got let go of a teaching position, and just yesterday I got let go of a coaching position that I had just for only one month. So mm. I'm getting a lot of rejection in my life currently at the moment, and uh, just yeah. But then, like, you got to step back and be like, listen, like, what are you grateful for in your life? And just also on the back of your your answer there, it's funny because your journey there has. Uh, I've just been kind of like nodding along and saying this is so similar to mine. I, I really, really got into functional medicine back in like 2010, nice. 11. So I did the functional diagnostic nutrition course and I've done functional That's medicine sick. university. So like things like, uh, you know, uh, inflammation and um, looking at detoxification, always looking for the root cause of the issue rather than treating the symptom. And even funny that you mentioned this idea of, you know, you were kind of treating back pain and you'd only look at sort of more of the, the muscle skeletal system because whenever I present and I, I come up with Gray's concept of regional interdependence, I'd always make sure yeah. that I got the point across that, that it wasn't just limited to the muscle skeletal system and I'd always, yeah. usually, I'd, I'd always use the example of kidney pain or kidney issues. I'd say you could get clients and they say, oh, I've got really bad low back pain. And, then I, and I've i given the case study of if someone comes in and says I've got bilateral back pain and it's sharp and it spreads and it hurts to urinate that isn't muscle skeletal that's their kidneys and I'm saying that's another right. that's another example of regional independence that's when an endocrine organ can actually mask itself as a muscle skeletal issue and I often yes. say like inflammation in your gut can lead to back pain and Obviously, like there's, there's been huge research coming out lately about how important the microbiome is in terms of epigenetic expression. And I've always been a huge proponent of epigenetics ever since I've learned about it from like Bruce Lipton and some other people. Oh, yeah, there you go. But um, yeah, Absolutely. So, like, here, me and you are, are, are there's, there's a lot of similarity in how we think and look at the human body. I think that um, definitely in terms of information. Now, just in, in terms of speaking about informa- information, when you were ill or sick, th- did you ever run like a C-reactive protein test? And also too, when you say inflammation, uh, it's kind of a catch-all term. Like people, the lay person particularly don't really understand. What do you mean inflammation? They think I like, have a swollen ankle, but inflammation right. is just basically your immune system's gone haywire. And, and I know if you read any literature, it always mentions interleukin-6 and uh, tumor necrosis factor alpha and NF-kappa B. And like these uh, these markers, if they're very high in the body, it would surely have systemic inflammation. So... Maybe just speak about what are is there any potential blood markers people could could, could look at? I know C reactive protein is I mentioned before, and also like to you, what does inflammation mean? And then I'll, I have some follow up questions, but just start on those two for now. Is there any blood tests you'd recommend, and, and how would you define inflammation?
1: Well, I'm gonna be honest with you, you know, uh, you know that that blood profile functional medicine type of world, uh, you know, I don't really look at those numbers too much, because that's not my area of, of expertise. Yeah, I'm yeah. the first to, to, to say that. Yeah. And that everybody, the, the blood is the last fucking place to show you when something's wrong. Yeah. Like Because it, you're, in order for your blood to show up something that's uh, quote-unquote dysfunctional, you got to be in a really bad spot. Because your body does whatever it can to keep that normalized. And then you've got, the, of course, the difference between your uh, <laughs> optimal, and then what Uh, Western medicine says. Western medicine says, okay, this marker should be between three and let's say eight. If you're between three and eight, then you're good. And I'm like, well, what happens if I'm like 2.9? Then all of a sudden you're messed up. Like, well, maybe I'm supposed to be at a seven and then my journey led me slowly down to that number. I love how Western medicine is. You're healthy with this number and then here you're not. Well, what about the journey to get to that point? And maybe patient a should be at a seven and maybe patient b should be at a four and it doesn't look like it's a big swing because it's just one number but that's huge so for me i blood work is cool and i do work with functional medicine people but i let them run the profiles and then i go by for me i get more from what i can see when the body's telling me from uh Everything from how you talk, how you move, to your eyes, to your mouth, to your tongue, to your skin. Your skin tells me a ton. And then I get in there and I start pressing around. I'm going to know if you've got systemic inflammation in your body based on what it's showing me on the outside. And I'm also going to know based on how you feel about yourself or your with your brain. Because the first place you start to manifest systemic inflammation is in your brain. The brain fog, the tiredness, the fatigue, the lethargy, all that sort of stuff. Even your personality traits, people that all of a sudden get really nasty. They get really angry. That's something. Your first knee-jerk reaction is to get angry and stuff. Then that tells me you got inflammation because you're so inflamed in there. Your body rushes blood from the front of your brain, which is your reasoning brain, because it takes too much to run it. Then it pulls it towards the back near your critter brain or your primal brain or your limbic brain, your emotional brain. And your first knee-jerk reaction is to be an asshole on anything. So then I can tell you got that. But I can tell through my points of pushing on your lymph, pushing on your muscles, pushing on your organs, pushing on your peripheral nerves. I know you got the inflammation. Then we can run the test afterwards to see where you are and see what kind of interventions we might have to do, be it pharmaceutical, because sometimes you might need it, And then nutritional for sure, because everybody's nutritional profile is a freaking disaster. Not only, here's the thing, not only the people that eat like shit, but maybe you're eating a quote unquote good program, but it's not for you. Not everybody should be on uh, a paleo diet. If you've got, you know, something for you, it might not be the best system for you to be on. That might make you more inflamed than somebody who should be on it. It doesn't mean that the paleo is not great. It's good, but it's got to be good for the person who needs it like that. And then my markers are, do you start with the interventions that we do? Do the areas get less painful? Do you start to move better? All those sorts of different uh, areas that you go in. So uh, I I like to marry the the science of, say, like a, a functional blood work profile, which you should do, not your standard profile. And then I can see the changes in that system based on my interventions that I choose to do to see it change by the numbers. And because some people need to see the numbers. And then, but I also go by how you feel. Because, you know, I'm going to say, oh, you know, your interleukin six or 50 or 40, whatever the fuck you want to call it, went from seven to four. They don't care. I'm just like, hey, how you feeling? Damn, doc, I feel great, man. I'm feeling like concentrated. got energy. I'm having sex together. This is awesome. That's what that's what I'm going after and then your body will tell you you're on the right track Because you'll start to make some changes Quick fast and in a hurry. So if you don't make changes quick fast and in a hurry with your intervention There's a couple things you need to look at one. You got the wrong intervention. You're not doing what the body needs or two You miss something that it's not their fault. It's your fault like whatever you're looking at might not be the big reason that you're looking at it. or three they're definitely not doing something that they're telling you they're doing, which happens all the time. Or four, you're going to have to really investigate because maybe you missed something that's really, really critical. Like as Gray says, I can't tell you what corrective exercises to do for your back because your back pain might be because you got a tumor in your back. You have to rule out red flags, really serious health issues that can manifest itself as pain but you don't really know is there until you get it checked out. So when you go and you have, say, musculoskeletal pain and uh, you have an issue, you still have to go through your standard protocol, right? I mean, you get your orthopedic test, you get your assessment, you get your x-ray, you get your MRI, and then, okay, dude, we know you don't have cancer, we know there's no markers that are red flags, now let's send you for your rehab. Right? And then if you do your rehab and you get better, well, then perfect. Because you're supposed to get better when somebody does rehab. But if you don't, well, then you know it ain't the right rehab. That's what you know. And then you need to look and see, uh, or maybe it's the right rehab, but they're doing the right rehab in the wrong place. Does that make sense? So so many different variables that you go on. I expect the body to give me a signal very, very quickly that I got it right. None of those three times a week shit for six months to get you where you want to go. You ain't on the right track. You're missing some big linchpin somewhere that you haven't pulled. That's what it's telling me is to go through it. And nine times out of ten, it lies way, way deeper than just the musculoskeletal system. That's that's the last thing. So if you come in and you say, Doc, I got plantar fasciitis, and I've been treating the bottom of my foot for six months, well, I'm probably going to look somewhere else. I ain't going to lie to you. Or I'm going to do something nobody's done to your foot. I'll say, what are they done to your foot? This, 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 this. Well, the last thing I'm going to do is that, 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 that. Because obviously it's not working. Maybe I'll throw a different modality at you. I'll say, has anybody done laser there? Well, no, okay, well, let's try laser. And then I'm going to say, well, I have an idea. Has anybody looked at your other foot? No. All right, well, let's look there because last time I checked, you got to use two feet when you walk. Then I'm going to look further up. And then for me, I look at the lymphatic system because I know if you can't drain the swelling and inflammation from bottom of your foot all the way up your leg to your trunk to your head to your heart and back out again you ain't getting over that planet excited so your body has to be able to get rid of the swelling and inflammation that you're trying to get rid of through the medications or through the treatments that you got and then you, that's when it opens up your mind to the more batshit crazy stuff so i'm not important to know i'm not anti same old shit bad right i mean that's just logical sense that you start there but if it doesn't give you the results that you want, to me, you're doing a disservice to your client to not open up your mind to go down the path over here that looks absolutely insane because you're probably going to find the answer over there. So my patient base is built like that. When your back hurts for the first time, you don't come to see me. You're going to go to your PT. You're going to go to your chiropractor. You're going to go to your doc. They're going to do the same old shit that you get. And then when that stuff stops working. It doesn't work, and you don't have any answers. That's usually when you find my crazy stuff somewhere on the internet and stop chasing pain. And it's like, you know what? I got nothing to lose. I'll go see this guy. I don't care if it looks nuts what he's doing. Because then at that moment in time, honestly, you're open and receptive to looking at your body a different way. Because what you're doing has not been working. Right? And uh, so part of that is just bringing you in and looking at your body in a completely completely different way and that's kind of where i am right now is that i like being the last guy you go to and that's usually the case
0: how would you define information just to a lay person about me yeah like so so like when you say someone you've got total bodies information you've got systemic information and then they go what's that about oh, wow.
1: systemic inflammation, what's
0: that?
1: Yeah. Oh, you, you could just type in systemic inflammation. The no, no, no I know. I, really I, I, I'm helpful.
0: just saying, how, 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 are you, how are you explaining that to your patients? Like pers- a person who's never heard of it, I, like, I don't get what you mean. Well, what what like explain to me.
1: Oh, well, I have a system. I have something written up on my board that I go through, mm-hmm. uh, the system of how the body adapts and changes, and a priority system that what comes through. But it's really, really quite simple. As I say, listen, I'm going to press on all these parts. All these parts shouldn't hurt you. There should be pressure, no pain. The more you hate me, the more you dislike me, the more you want to smack me one, the more you got inflammation. And I'm going to be checking all these different areas of your body that are not related to where you're, say, so you got left shoulder pain. I'm going to check all these other different places when we go through. And then I just put up my, my one little uh, chart of information that I have of uh, how we go about Rehabilitation in my office. Inflammation first, pain second, range of motion third, strength and power fourth. Just like that. And that most people try to go after strength and power or range of motion through correctives, which doesn't get you very far because you haven't taken care of one, the pain, like I said before, you can't move it through pain. Our other one is inflammation. Inflammation where you don't even know it exists. With inflammation, once you get inflammation down, then pain goes down. Once pain goes down, then you can increase range of motion, active and passive, not necessarily on the painful body part, and then you go into strength and power. So there's no way you're going to be able to strengthen a muscle that's in pain. It ain't going to happen. Yeah.
0: It it was funny you mentioned about, you know, I also find it funny that people call it conventional or traditional medicine when – it's actually probably the, the the youngest medical field out of all the medicines out there. You look at Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic, and they've been around for thousands, one thousands of years, and, and yet they're called the alternatives, and traditional medicine that's only really been around for like 150, 200 years is called traditional conventional. So I always got kind of to laugh about that a bit. but I, I, Well, I that's,
1: that's the funny part,
0: because then you have the people that
1: are traditional medicine-based, and so they go, I said real medicine. So they're yeah. on their high horse thinking that they're the only "quote unquote" real medicine around. Yeah, And yeah. real medicine hasn't been around that long. <laughs> and if you look at the track record of how many people that fucking died from real traditional medicine, it ain't even close. But sure, one of the one, one of
0: the top uh, one of the top um, factors of death is misdiagnosis uh, by doctors. In-
1: yeah exactly they they even have no clue about what they're looking at and it's even worse today because you got specialists yeah, right yeah, i'm yeah. a i'm a uro- urology guy well i can't tell you what's going to happen with your heart you got to go to the cardiovascular yeah then the cardio then you got to go to this guy for that organ. so they don't even know what these guys are doing in relationship to each other and they know a lot about one thing but you have to know the interrelationship between the whole body not just one body part right that's why you're seeing four or five different people so they're giving you a diagnosis based on what their quote-unquote expertise is and not to mention how many people perish from giving you the wrong medication oops or uh hey you know uh i'm gonna operate on you but the worst case scenario is you don't wake up hey like i'm I've got to go in through here. Sometimes you need surgery, right? If your arm's hanging off, you ain't going to come see me for inflammation treatment. You got to go in there, right? But to, to just jump on in and start trying to, ah, this body part ain't working so good. How about we just take that shit out? Well, why don't you just look at the journey of why it's not uh, working so great? Right? so we need to mess these professions together for sure. But the death rate from misdiagnosis, wrong medications, uh operations gone bad or god forbid you operate on the wrong body part right stuff like that there's nowhere near people that say well what's your research on being able to use a uh corrective exercise for this 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 i'm like really are you going there like it's nuts and then that brings me back to my point is uh the research even on a movement pattern doesn't apply because I can take my patient from a hot environment to the cold environment, and it completely changes how your body is going to recruit muscles and fire a motor pattern based on the sensory input that it's getting. Completely different. So, it absolutely, in my opinion, negates every single fucking movement research study that's ever been done because it only takes, it's only applicable to the people that you did it on and the environment that you did it on. Does that
0: make sense? Absolutely. Have you ever uh, looked into any of the work by uh, Dr. Jack Cruz? What's the last name? Cruz, K-R-U-S-E. No. You, you'd you find, I, I think, because of what you've recently uh, learned from um, from uh, Dr. Hoff, is that who it is, H.G. Hoff? Yeah, Mikhail Hoff, right? Yeah, Mikhail Hoff. Uh, I, I think because of what you've learned from Mikhail Hoff in, in terms of the biofrequency, uh, I think you'd find a lot of Jack Cruz's work very very uh, interesting. Um, Jack is a uh,
1: neuro- that shit out. Yeah, Jack, good, I'm, Jack, I'm
0: always Jack, looking to learn something new. Jack is a neurosurgeon who has a very deep understanding of quantum physics and mechanics, and basically he looks at it like health and disease through basically through physics uh, at a really fundamental level. But he he's he's Brought together the idea of uh, water, um, electromagnetism, and light. Uh, he's very big on like circadian biology and humans' exposure to light cycles and how that has a massive impact on our body. But a lot of very similar sort of stuff. Of I'd say what uh, Mikhail Hoff uh, touches on with biofrequency information. And um, I'd say there's, a, cool, I'd say, I'd say you'd find a yeah. lot of crossover there too. So. Uh, oh,
1: I love it. Anybody who can talk quantum physics and uh, help, I mean, I'm gonna check that guy
0: out for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'll send you on some links and see see what you think. Uh, and the thing is with Jack, he, he's he came on the scene about six years ago, and he's been very uh, clever with how he's put his information out over the six years. Like so, like he he put out a thing called the Lepton Reset back in like 2011. He just basically said. there was three steps to it one was to sort out your circadian uh your circadian rhythm in terms of your your light and dark exposures then the second part of it was a cold thermogenesis reset where he did these ice baths and it was to it was to recalibrate chronic inflammation in your body and also to basically tap into your body's ability to to know what winter was again and then the third part of it was eat the seasonal sort of Paleolithic pre-agricultural diet, but he only just told people to do that, but he never gave the science behind it, and then as the years went on, like, he went deeper and deeper and deeper, and he said, this is why, this is why, this is why, so, I think he'd be an interesting yeah. guy for, for you to, to definitely look into, all right, and, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. just, uh, I want, I another thing to touch on there, you, you know, you're speaking about the blood tests in conventional medicine, it's funny, because from many of my functional medicine courses, they basically said the same thing, that, first of all, conventional medical, uh, um, their guidelines for blood tests like they're way too broad and then the second thing is once like you're just within the parameters you're fine so there's a guy dr brian walsh and he gave a great analogy and he was shown like a, a blood sugar test and like you know it's usually between 80 and 100 um is a score in terms of the milligrams per liter of blood and he was saying that you know if you're if you're at like 99.9 you're good but like you're just in the brink of becoming diabetic but you're good for conventional medicine if you're just in the brink whereas like Functional medicine, yep. like if they see you at the lower or higher end, they're like, oh, you're 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 within the norm here, but like you're, you're at like the either end of the extremes. We want to like bring this back to a more sort of balanced position or neutral position on the scale. But the conventional medicine is like once you're within those parameters, whether it's the high end or low end, you're fine. Yeah, well, you know, it's, so I mean,
1: I think it's important people are listening to know that, you know, I'm not anti-medicine at all. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, but no, without no. without medicine we would not have been able to eradicate some of the most horrific diseases that has affected mankind, right? I yeah, mean that's yeah. that's good. And but you know, that that kind of model in the past has worked has been to uh, try to eradicate in infectious diseases. Yeah, yeah. Which okay, you've got this and a Pichu dish, if I do this to it, I can get rid of it. Th- that kind of thinking is not gonna give us the answer that we need for the autoimmune lifestyle diseases, environmental diseases. There is no single set cost for this. There will not be, I'm going to give you this thing to help fix, say, for instance, your uh, Parkinson's chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia. I mean, that would be nice, but I don't see it happening because we have that mindset of infectious disease curing. And it's a completely different path that we have to go down. But unfortunately, traditional medicine has not, That they're still on that A, A equals B pointer, N equals one. And that's just the quote-unquote scientific, logical, like, rationale thing. But when you go out into the world of Mother Nature, it's organized chaos, which means N will never fucking equal one. When you go out into the real world, it just ain't gonna happen. There's too many variables on it, and we have to do the we have to adapt that thought process. And the frightening part to me is that we are going full tilt the opposite way, and I think that's why we're
0: getting sicker. Uh, Do you have to go, Perry D, or what do you like for time?
1: Uh, I got like five minutes.
0: Just yeah. Well, we listen. We can always get you back on because there's there's so much I I want to touch on in terms of what you've. you shared with us today but just uh finally just in in terms of it like so when a patient turns up to, to your clinic now like so like how does that look what do you do is is it to go with that assessment that you've learned from from um from dr hoff or do, do you still use bits from sfma or N- nkt or is it purely are you just purely utilizing dr hoff's model no, 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 no. You never, ever, ever just use one thing. Yeah. And it's,
1: you know, I've, like I said before, I've learned from many, many different people. So it's it's me mixed in with what I've learned from other people, adapted to the person that's standing in front of me. So my whole thing is, you know, I look at how you move, of course. Yeah. and Because movement tells me a lot. Uh, I sit and I talk with you. But just listening and, and talking to you tells me a lot. And then I still do my standard stuff. I'm going to do my palpation stuff because that tells me a ton. I'm going to do my, if I think I need to do an orthopedic test to leave me somewhere or range of motion stuff or whatever. Uh, my exam is dictated by the person standing in front of me. So I have kind of like a thought process of where I'm going. But I don't always, because what happens is if you expect to find something, you usually find it, right? So I have an open mind to different things. I have many, many different systems that overlay each other. I do the quote-unquote traditional approach. I do a lot of um, (coughs) points for um, acupuncture points. I look at traditional Chinese medicine points. I look at your tongue. I look at your eyes. I look at your skin. Mm. I check your feet. for Reflexology. I check your hands. For hand acupuncture points from Korean acupuncture called suja. There's many different things that I blend into in my pot to lead me to where I need to go. And you'll never get the same exam twice from me for a person because where I go is dictated by the person standing in front of me. I just give props to the many individuals over the course of my life that helped me develop the thought process. But then you also have to be an original thinker yourself. Yeah. And Say what if and that's that's really how I do it. So I think it's very important that people realize that you should never just fall back on one system of assessment You should never fall back on one system of treatment because um, One thing's not going to work for everyone and it's a very big disservice to the client that you're working with Mm -hmm. and if, If you got it, right the body will make changes and it will make improvements right or Maybe even if you get it right, sometimes the person gets worse initially in the beginning because stuff that hasn't been working starts to work. So you gotta don't be too quick to pull the plug either, but don't stand on a sinking ship either. And then you, you break and you move different things or go down a different path. <clears throat> or what happens sometimes too is you have to put your big boy pants on and say, uh, "I can't help you." I think, but I think this person can.
0: Yeah. Just brief, just briefly, before you have to go, because I want to make sure you, you plug your events in Dublin that's coming up. Uh, I know you were saying that you'll have to recheck the dates, but I I'll put them in the show notes. But uh, something I definitely just want to get uh, or ask you just before you go is what what would what would be your top resources for any of the listeners now? And these resources could be anything could be anything to do with outside of rehabilitation or, or performance. Could be you know, a book on personal development or spirituality or nutrition or health and wellness or, or, or child development or psychology or it could be not in a book but a course or a seminar or an online course or an audio program. What, what would be your top resource to, to any of the listeners out there?
1: Well, of course, you know, I'm going to throw mine first over home plate. And uh, since I'm from the U.S., that's a reference to baseball, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you can go look at my stuff on stopchasingpain.com. stopchasingpain.com will lead you to where all my workshops are, including Dublin coming on up, and then where my teaching courses are as well as my online exclusive membership site. So I work with people behind the scenes that are official members of the Stop Chasing Pain site to show you different things. Uh, I I would probably say a good resource for people to get into to begin to look is try to do um, a a Google search and just look in um, one about invisible inflammation this type in the word invisible inflammation and start to read more about that to educate yourself and then uh, another one I would start to do is type in and look for uh, emotion and pain looking at how how you think about yourself right which could get you into the self-improvement books uh, per se but looking at just how powerful that system is in relationship to pain right because listen we're we're a very unique species on the planet, right, as a human being. We've got we've got the ability to use reason. We've also got the ability to go and think about stuff that's happened in the past or stuff that's going to happen in the future. And, but one of the things that we're really awful at is just existing and living in the moment that we're actually in. And <clears throat> you realize that going into the past and going into the future, uh, if you stay there, that's what's going to wind you up. Because how you think changes your biology, right? And if you can just begin to uh, live in in the moment that you're in with you and the people that you're actually surrounded with and really yourself, because you're with yourself 24 7, most people are so disconnected from themselves and their environment that I promise you, if you try to sit for five minutes in silence in the morning, tomorrow, when you wake up, it'll feel like 50 years (laughs) because you're your mind just go crazy. And that's one of the, also the, the great benefits of meditation yeah. because uh, it, it can help you find uh, and you'll, you'll see it'll be tough, very tough to do. I'm not going to lie. Most people don't meditate because it's just too difficult. But um, it's a good start for you to help uh, find yourself again mentally, but also you'll begin to notice, quite frankly, that the pain and discomfort that you've been dealing with for a long time can start to decrease as well. So I would say Yes. Start with my website, StopChasingPain.com. Love to see people, especially if they're coming into Dublin, and we've got a few spots left. And then also <clears throat> check out Invisible Inflammation, and then also look up emotion and pain, just as some keywords there, and uh, kind of get out of the uh, get out of your own head a little bit, and looking into all the the different really in depth, like you know, science based approaches to pain, which are cool. Everybody has to play their part, but you just might find you'll come across some really cool shit when you start looking at the other things too.
0: Yeah, Doctor Perry, it's been a pleasure to have you on. If you, I know you're in a rush, but just if you just stick on for this twenty seconds. I'll say goodbye to you offline while I just wrap this up. Sure, so, man. Yeah, yeah. No worries, guys. What an absolute pleasure, and I, I I'd love to have you back on again soon because I have a ton more questions I'd love to ask him. Yeah, we'll do a part two if people want it. Maybe
1: people will say, "Don't
0: have that crazy guy." Nah, listen, if they do. Fuck we'll him, It's back. it's my it's my podcast. So as as the song says, it's my party, and I'll do what I want it. There you go. Nonconformist, baby. Yeah, exactly. Go. Although, yes, I also say to all my, guests, my one of my favorite essays is uh, Self-Reliance by Ralph O. Emerson. That's all about being a nonconformist, so I'm all about that. But, uh, guys, what an absolutely uh, brilliant hour and almost 25 minutes with uh, Dr. Perry. His workshop, which will be in the show notes, is on uh, October, uh, sorry, September 30th and October 1st in the Elite Fitness Reforms Academy in Black Rock, where I used to teach. Uh, no doubt, I'll see Dr. Perry there, Hopefully. And again, I'll put that in the show notes. But what a great, as I said, hour and almost 25 minutes. Um, If you can just share this out on social media like you guys always do, uh, make sure you subscribe. Uh, But for now, guys, take care. I'll talk to you all soon and stay strong.